Thank you for listening to the Reconnect Marriage Podcast. I'm Dr. Steve Call. And I'm Lisa Call. And we are dedicated to having conversations that cultivate connection in our marriage. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for joining us uh, in this podcast. Lisa and I are having a conversation uh, around a particular topic that uh, I think we think is so essential uh, in understanding some of the patterns or dynamics in our marriage uh, where there tends to be maybe a sense of feeling distant or disconnected. And it, it has to do with this this theme, the way we've talked about it, is what we've called lack of access. And access meaning uh, when we don't have access to our spouse's or partner's um, gaze, attention, focus. Uh, other words we might use is uh, presence, when they're just not maybe present for whatever reason. And it's a, it's a common dynamic in marriage. Uh, it's familiar. Uh, when we did our marriage story intensive last month, it was actually one of our teaching points when you and I, when Lisa and I uh, were speaking with our couples here uh, in our in our gathering, that it was one of the topics that we talked about and talked through uh, because it it just tends to be a a common familiar experience, and sometimes we're just not aware that that's actually what's happening. And so our hope in this conversation is to create some clarity, some insight uh, into uh, what, what is it actually, meaning what, what is access, and, and then what happens relationally uh, when we don't have access, and how we can navigate those well, uh, versus perpetuating maybe disconnection or distance between us. And it, it's, uh, I think, part of the, this conversation, too, is it's not meant to say or imply ever that uh, we ought not to experience that. It's just such a common, familiar dynamic. And let's think about, did you want to say anything about it? Is is what I want to emphasize is that when we're talking about access, uh, think about it in this way. We were all children at once. We were born into this world uh, as an infant and as we grow and as we develop. And think about it from a child's perspective for a moment. When our parent caregiver was busy, distracted, uh, unavailable to us, think about it maybe from the image of like the child pulling on the pant leg or tapping the hand of a parent or whatever it might be. When the parent didn't respond, when they just physically weren't able to engage, uh, that's what we mean by access, uh, that there just wasn't an opening, if you will, to the need that we might have had. And that's a common, again, familiar way of being in this world relationally, and it can create distress. That's the outcome of lack of access, distress. The child, remember, stay in this imagery, the child has distress in their body when there is an access. They don't know how to tolerate it. They, 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 there's something not quite right. Well, the hope is for that child, it's that over time, he or she learns to tolerate the distress uh, meaning that they metabolize it, uh, that it's not a parent is never able, uh, nor was it ever designed for a parent to meet all of a child's needs. It's that when the child somehow feels the distress in their body, how do they how do they care well? How do they manage? 
how do they self-soothe? How do they self-regulate? Well, it's the same principle, if you will, or same idea in marriage. It's that sometimes our spouse is unavailable. Sometimes there's not access. Uh, here, here's a, a playful example for us. Uh, often, which is true for so many couples, the, the routine or the rhythm of the evening is different. I'm meaning when, bedtime. When we get into bed, you enjoy reading often before we go to sleep. Yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and when there uh, isn't... Uh, time together, meaning when Lisa is, her gaze is on the book or she's reading her book and and I would like to maybe connect a bit or uh, maybe touch a bit or just be together, be close and you're, there's not access. And that, that sometimes can create distress for us. So that's what we mean by distress. That's a, a simple example of it. Yeah, I think the example of um, a child needing access has a lot to do with how the parent responds. Mm-hmm. And if the parent is, you know, don't bother me, I, I'm, I'm busy right now, um, I think it causes the child to be more anxious, right? And so I think a lot of how we respond to the other's need for access or... Desire um, for access. Just yeah. the ability mm-hmm. to engage one another. Right. And I think when we're more aware that it actually has impact when maybe we're busy or we're going to be busy or we can't be interrupted or, or something's going on, just maybe being aware of what's happening so that we can engage in conversation about mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, being able to say maybe later, maybe in the evening, I'd like yeah. to have some time together or yesterday when I wasn't able to have access, this is how I felt or mm-hmm. um, maybe having conversations about what it was like right. and then the response of the other. And I think that's what also helps us maybe to tolerate when we don't have access mm-hmm. Um, being able to have a conversation about, you know, when you when you give a call to your family, when you talk to your 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 family for whatever reason, mm-hmm. um, I might feel left out, and so um, just for you to be aware of when that's happening, I might need to be included, or I might need to have access to to you right after that conversation, or right. something like that. Right. Yeah, it's not a, uh, we could say it's maybe not a familiar word or a common word for couples. And that's why we want to spend some time talking about it. Like, let's let's create some awareness of that's what we're actually talking about. When something doesn't quite feel right, sometimes it's connected more often than not to there's, there's maybe a lack of access, meaning that maybe one of us is really preoccupied. Uh, with work, you know, we, we maybe leave home and then we come home and we're, we're busy, we're preoccupied. Maybe it's a particular seasonal job and uh, there's just not a lot of emotional energy left over for the other. Uh, it could be uh, we're distracted and preoccupied uh, with our children or uh, family members or a project. Some of us like projects and so we, we can become hyper-focused, if you will, on something or someone else. And so we're limited. We're limited in being human. We only have so much capacity. And sometimes I think in marriage, uh, it can feel like uh, we receive the, the end or the, the last bits or the last parts. Uh, and so sometimes in the dissension, if you will, tension, argument, frustration, hurt, some of that is connected to um, maybe feeling like I'm less of a priority or maybe... Uh, my my desire for you and of you and to be with you might feel or be less than. It's not that that's fully true, although I mean in some marriages that can be true. But we're talking about for the most part is it's a natural response to the 
to the other's unavailability in some way. Stay connected again to the imagery of a child. But what does the child need? Uh, when the parent is unable to provide what they need, they, they at least need the need validated, not dismissed, ignored, minimized, judged. What's wrong with you? Can't you see I'm busy at work? I mean, that's the last thing. I just want I just want to read in the bed for five minutes. Like we can have an automatic uh, dismissive response to the other when lack of access is somehow acknowledged or named. And therein, I think, lies so much of the further tension is when lack of access or the communication of desire for access is somehow judged or minimized. That's where we can get really stuck. Uh, so to be aware that uh, sometimes it's difficult to communicate, like what you just said is so helpful. Sometimes it can be difficult to communicate that because our fear is that it can be judged, it can be minimized, you know, it can be dismissed. Or, or I guess what you're saying too is that we're not going to be accessible to each other all the time. Right. And we, that's not really the goal, that's, that's that the you're goal. just always accessible. Right. And sometimes I think we feel bad about that, you know, like, oh, I know I have a lot going on, or I know yeah. I've got a lot of my mind, mm-hmm. um, and then I might know I'm just not going to be available, and we maybe feel bad about that, and so we kind of maybe try to hide it or something. And I don't think that's what we're saying, because I don't think it's even possible to be fully accessible to one another, but... Again, just being aware that this is a dynamic and that the other can internalize certain thoughts and feelings about it. Mm -hmm. I I know I feel, you know, I've had times where I want to talk about plans, right? I want to talk about the weekend. I want to say, okay, what are we doing? Do we have time to do? You want to have a plan for Saturday. I like having plans on the weekends. And so um, I might. The fundamental difference between it. Right. I might be thinking about it Wednesday, Thursday. Okay. And I might be thinking about it Saturday morning. Yeah, and and you're not necessarily wanting to go there yet. And so sometimes I feel really frustrated and, you know, I kind of want to make plans. Other people need the plans to be made. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to think through it and and yet there's no access. And so I get, I'm stuck. And, you know, sometimes it's okay, but sometimes I feel really frustrated or I feel not important. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I I really want to talk about this. I really want to see what what's on the agenda here. Mm-hmm. And so I think it can lead to a lot of frustration. It can. And what you just said is so common for so many of us. It's that one of us believes we have the privilege and our freedom to say something like, I don't want to talk about it. And I don't want to talk about it is at the extreme example of what we mean by lack of access. It means the door is closed. Uh, you can't go in. We can't go in. It's locked. So but it, it's a real thing. It's a real right? thing. I mean, That's what, what I'm saying. if you've had a hard day so, and you sure, don't want to talk sure, about it, Sure, right? it's so common. I want. I just really want to emphasize that. For for various reasons, throughout all of our relationships, we go. There are seasons, and maybe even days, months, where where we have this sort of we're, we're on overload, and we don't have the bandwidth, and I don't have the capacity in this moment to talk about what the other would like to talk about. Now, what we're saying is, it doesn't mean that ought not to be. It's that there's. It's how we respond and react to those moments. When, when somehow I'm aware that you're unavailable, uh, when you're aware that I'm unavailable, I, I just don't have the ability or capacity to talk about it or whatever it might be, or to be present, uh, it's how we react and respond to it. That's also what we're trying to highlight. It's that do we, do we then develop contempt toward our spouse? Meaning, do we have judgment? Do we have, gosh, what's wrong with them? How come they're never available? What, what, 
it it is this is where it can become such an embedded pattern that we're not even aware of it. Again, here's another example. These are common examples that if they were repeated over and over and over again, and there was little to no conversation or discussion about them, this is what would perpetuate a sense of contempt or lead to a profound sense of disconnect. For example, uh, I was seeing clients today. I walked in. Lisa's in the kitchen. You just got done with work. It was, I think, during the lunch hour. You were on the phone. You're on the phone with a friend. Great, great for Lisa. Well, what what traditionally, meaning historically for us, when Lisa hasn't been available when I need her or when I would desire access, I would I would I think at times hold that against you. I might leave quickly. I might go silent. I might say never mind. Uh, I'm, and it's it's it was more subtle. Kind of a self protection. It's self protection. Kind of it's a way of coping with an unmet need. And the unmet need is I, I longed for access. I wanted to connect. I wanted to check in. I wanted right. to say hi. And you weren't available. Now, that again, those are common experiences for all of us. How I, you, we react to that is what's critical, what's crucial. Lisa wasn't on the phone to simply ignore me. You weren't on the phone to say, mm, the door's closed. You can't have access. Which sometimes we sort of want to believe. Well, like, we, oh, you're not available to me. You must be doing this on purpose. Sometimes I think yeah. for for us in the past that might have been true. I right. think for some couples that might be the initial starting place. You mm-hmm. don't want to talk to me. You don't want to be with me. You'd rather be on the phone. You'd rather be at work. You'd rather be playing pickleball. You'd rather be with a friend. You fill in the blank. We all have the beliefs of you would rather be. And what what we're trying, what Lisa and I are trying to highlight here is how do you respond to your spouse's. Uh, unavailability. When there's a lack of access, how do you tend to respond? And I think that's our hope in this is that do I hold it against Lisa that she was on the phone with her friend? Meaning, do I make you pay a price when there isn't access? Do I, do I hold it against you? Meaning, do I go silent? Do I withdraw? Do I not engage? Now, and 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 I think uh, why this is a familiar dynamic for us is that's because it's a familiar dynamic for most couples is that's where they can get stuck. It's that when I believe I have the the way of coping is to make you pay, go silent, withdraw, disengage. And often that's just connected to hurt. I just, I felt hurt. That right. I, I was going to say it's also connected to story. Yeah. And, and we've felt, had conversations about mm-hmm. this, right? Where we might've felt like that as a child, that we maybe didn't have access to yeah. our parents when yeah. we needed it. And um, something gets remembered, something Yeah, we might've felt triggered. unimportant. Yeah. We might've felt... And so it's kind of a, almost a go-to feeling. Well, it's a go-to feeling because what happens is for many of us, we held judgment toward the desire. Like, why did I even hope for that? I, I shouldn't have even wanted that. Uh, th- there can be this repeated internal dialogue of something like that. Like, never mind. I'm not worth it. It doesn't matter. But how we cope with that is we sometimes will make the other pay by ignoring, dismissing, withdrawing. Because we're hurt. Because we're hurt. Yeah. yeah. So what would you say today when... When you came in and I was on the phone. Well, what has shifted for us is the awareness that that is not intentional. We've had conversations. We've had conversations. Yeah. And I also know how much joy, uh, not even a strong enough word, how much delight you have when you are able to connect with a friend, especially during the day, you know, of the week. Uh, it's still difficult. I wouldn't say it's just dissipated completely, but it's still difficult. But that's part of the reason why I think this we have energy about talking about this today is because that it's true for us common everyday moments. Last night in bed, maybe at lunch hour. So what um, would you say helped you to have a different response? Uh, being aware, 
that which is what we, if we could say well, is there any one word throughout our couple of years of doing this, this podcast what's the one crucial critical word it's awareness right through uh, story uh, through awareness through story conversations curiosity um I, I i think the awareness of what need is met for you in it but also that it's not intentional mm-hmm. that lisa you are not intentionally ignoring me or intentionally not creating access that sometimes um I have been unkind in the way I've coped with that also. And I don't want that to mm-hmm. be our story. I don't want that to be true for us that, mm-hmm. that I was, I was actually okay. Like, yeah, at least mm-hmm. having a conversation and we'll connect a little bit later. And this is something that I think we found you don't come to this conclusion by yourself. And that's one thing we've really noticed with mm-hmm. our marriage story intensives is that um, we often can't see what's happening for ourselves in in a situation, we really need the curiosity of the other to say, Hey, you know, I I didn't, I wasn't trying to ignore you or exclude you. What what was going on for you? And, Mm -hmm. and I think sometimes we don't even realize how hurt we might feel or how bad we might feel because we don't know to acknowledge that in ourselves. And so to be curious, to be able to ask questions, to be able to, um, you know, tell me the story about what, what story you're telling yourself. Mm-hmm. I think we probably have had several of those conversations uh, in order for you to understand how you're feeling. Same with me, because when I feel don't, like I don't have access, sometimes I feel unimportant or I get those early stories get triggered. And so because we've had them, not in the heat of the moment, you know, oftentimes just later, oh, you know, what was going on for you or what was going on for me? And we kind of talk about those and how connect them maybe to what, our story, story of origin had, we had experienced Mm -hmm. and then being more curious with each other kind of brings us to more of an openness, I think. What would you say happens for you when there, when you're aware there is an access? I might be preoccupied. I might be what, maybe having a lot of energy about a particular game or a project that I'm doing. Uh, yeah. What? I mean, again, I often go to loneliness. That was kind of one mm-hmm. of my, my slippery slopes and a feeling I often had as a child, just feeling like there wasn't access. And so I felt lonely and I might go there first, but I think we've had enough conversations now where I can say, okay, yeah, I'm prone, I'm prone to feeling like this, mm-hmm. but I can kind of have this greater awareness, like kind of zoom out a little bit on the situation um, and see kind of, oh, this is what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think we can just go through the day and just be in a routine and not notice what's happening and get triggered and keep moving. And so I think yeah. what we're saying is slow down maybe, and just begin to notice what's mm-hmm. happening between us and right. how is it being triggered and impacted by our stories? Yeah. I think for many couples, they would say, like if we were all in the same room, we'd say, what's a familiar, uh, moment or dynamic when there's a felt sense of lack of access and it's often in response to maybe our spouse being distracted or on their phone that that, that might be a good tangible example uh, the screen what some form of screen uh in computer tv phone etc that that's a that i think that's a, a a good symbol if you will a good image good imagery around uh, we feel we feel uh, cut off. We feel maybe unimportant. We feel like we don't have the attention uh, that the screen has, and being aware of what might be familiar about that in our own story. I think that's the essential feature of it. But also to very much so. If we, I don't know how, 
I could say it more than just once. Uh, lots of moments in this time saying, of course, of course we feel distress. It's innate. It's, a, it's part of being human. It feels childlike. It is, because too. it is. And I think we don't like to feel childlike, we don't, right? We don't like to be bothered that I don't like to be bothered that I get in bed, you're reading, and I'm bothered. I don't like that I'm bothered. Right. It we feels, don't like that we like, feel distressed. I should be I should past be, this. Yes. I should be more mature yes. about this. Yeah. yeah. And and what's helpful is simply to acknowledge it. To right. Because we want to shut it down. Yeah, I think when it feels childlike, it feels like, oh my gosh, I'm being ridiculous. You know, so you want to shut it down. But we're just, we're actually saying, maybe be curious. Because we all have childlike parts, right, that that are getting triggered. And when we welcome them, when we're kind to them, when we're, you know, um, soft toward them and, and wondering and curious, hey, what's going on? And we, we can do that for one another and just really be able to understand that, that childlike part that comes out and, and just feels frustrated. It often has a reason mm-hmm. and, and a story. And, yeah. then, and then we feel understood. Yeah, and so it's just it's a, we come in in a different way, mm-hmm. a, a softer way, when it happens the next time. Well, and also I think what is such an essential part of this conversation, and our hope for you, those of you listening, is to be aware that we don't outgrow the distress. What we do work with is naming the distress, putting words to it without blame, without accusation, uh, not holding it against our partner, our spouse, or not making them pay a price for the lack of access, but being able to communicate what happens in our body when we don't have access. What happens for you? What happens for you? What do you notice? What do you notice? Like the curiosity actually allows us to shift over time the way we respond to it, both respond to the other's lack of access, but also when it's communicated to us directly. I think I felt a bit lonely or I felt a little bit sad or I felt a little bit hurt by without, again, without judgment. I think that's, if we could say, how do we navigate those moments well? It's it's going back to being able to name the impact without blame, but also to honor that, of course, our body gets a little triggered, gets a little bothered. There's a little bit of distress, no matter what our age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's that self-judgment, too. I, I know you're talking about judgment, maybe toward the right. other, but even the self-judgment of, oh, this shouldn't bother me. Mm-hmm. I should be fine with this. He's just working. Right. He he needs to do this. But there's something still that feels, um, I don't know, just feels unimportant or it feels unworthy or it feels like really childlike. Mm-hmm. And to not maybe judge that part of ourselves. I think we're the less judgmental we are toward ourselves, the less judgmental we're going to be toward the other, I think. And as we um, maybe acknowledge that. And again, I know we've used curious a lot but it's a it's a just a really profound word in this particular area and and in marriage in general is just curiosity with with kindness. The Reconnect Marriage Podcast is hosted by the Reconnect Institute. For more information, you can find us on the web at thereconnectinstitute.com. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram at Reconnect Marriage. <laughs>